To drag, drag to, to hell. hell. <laughs> <laughs> With me, Connie Baffery. And me, Lucy Fur. And we're going to talk about everything mythical. Monstrous. Murderous. And everything cult related. Today we're going to go downright cultish. Oh, culty. Today we're going to talk about something local to us. Something that's rather disturbing to and say the least settling. so you may know it as the little pebble cult but it's really called the order of saint charbel mm. yeah learning about this topic it was it was a lot yeah i i knew the basics of it because it is local to us here in Nara. yeah but i didn't know some of the full details yeah and disclaimer this might have a bit of a content warning to it. We may touch on topics of sexual assault, religious, and pedophilia. Yes. So, if any of this disturbs you, please switch off now and seek any help that you may require. Because we just produce the trauma. We don't fix it. <laughs> so, the Order of St. Charbel... You won't find many people talking about this topic outside of Australia. But are there not communes all over the world? Supposedly communes all over the world. I can only find officially two other communes outside of Australia. Yeah. So I don't know if some of the others are real or not because the sources are very... They come from the leader of the cult himself, a lot of it. So you can't be 100% sure. But there's a couple of books out there. There's the A Wolf in a Sheep's Clothing, which is a book written by a local journalist. Mm-hmm. And I have a copy of his book at home. So I bought, I got that from, remember Anne's secondhand bookshop in Nara? Yes. I got it from there years ago. And it's just like, ooh, this is about Little Pebble. <laughs> I'm just like, I only know basics of him. And then there's a book by an ex-cult member, Claire Ashman. Called Lessons from a Cult Survivor. And they give a lot of insight into it, and there was a lot of newspaper articles around the time. So, But a lot of stuff about how the cult started and about the leader's life is directly from him and his own autobiography. And I'd have to say it's pretty... It, a lot of it's very fictitious. Very, very delusional 
is the word that comes to mind when I... If I had to put a word to what I was reading, it's delusion. I'd say he has some pretty grandiose ideas. Yeah. Like, he has that real narcissistic kind of personality disorder with the grandiose ideas about himself and that. So, we may as well give this man a name. His name is William Cam. William Cam is also known as The Little Little Pebble. And I'll tell you how he got to that name. So, he got to that name after he was told by the Virgin Mary that he is a pebble, he is but a pebble to God, and he has placed him on this earth like you would place a pebble. So, now, here's a little fact. William Cam now goes by the name of William Costellia. William Costellia. Yes. And Costellia is his mother's grandmother's maiden name. Oh. So he's officially on Australian records as William Cam, but online you'll find a lot about him now under William Costellia. See, that, that, yeah. Yes. So William Cam was born in 1950 as a premature baby in Cologne in Germany. His mother was impregnated by an Italian soldier who then left her so then she moved back to Italy, and she married a close friend. Yeah. And that man, William Cam, was raised under as his father, and he didn't know any different until later in his life. Now, William, this is where it gets very grey, superstitious, I don't know. So he says that he was a premature baby who was so small that he had to have a handkerchief as a nappy, and was very sickly as a baby, which with a premature baby, they're generally sickly, and they are small. But a handkerchief or a nappy. So you see this kind of things with a lot of cult leaders. They give themselves a really sad backstory so that people get that empathy straight up. Yeah. And then, but then his family moved to Australia in 1953 when they were getting all people over from Europe post-war to boost the economy. Now, apparently his stepfather was this abusive drunk. So, there's also that part of the sad thing. But his mother was also beaten by him and sexually assaulted by him. And Cam, apparently, other than all this, had a wonderful, beautiful childhood, according to him. Uh (laughs) So, he didn't have any religious upbringing. Did you see that? Um, I, I, I did. I, when I was looking, it was said that he claimed, it came later in life for him. So, yeah, he would claim that he would go with friends, families to church, which some of these friends later said that was true sometimes, but a lot of the time it was not true. He was just getting lifted into town. So it was very weird. A lot of it's very sketchy on the details. So he was a very sickly poor child, but apparently he was extremely athletic and intelligent as well and excelled at everything that he did. Yeah, so then that's kind of like, are you just chuffing yourself up? Chuffing? Uh, Like... (laughs) Chuffing yourself up? That sounds like something completely different. Well, I mean, like, is he just trying to talk himself up? In that 
not childhood, but teenage life to be like, I'm the prodigy, I'm the... Yes. I honestly don't know. It's I'm very God's weird. gift to... Everyone. To Earth? Yeah. Well, he was athletic and intelligent at school, and then one day, apparently, his his mother left his stepfather. Yep. And then one day, his stepfather came and picked him up and got in a truck, and William's friends had told him, don't get in the truck, your father's trying to plan to kill you. Mm-hmm. So his father, William knew this, got in the car with him anyway, and his dad did have a shotgun, apparently, in the back seat, oh. and drove him to a graveyard and said to him, I'm not your real dad, you're not my real child. I'm going to kill you. And Cam said, that's okay, I'll still love you. You'll never lose me and the love that I have for you as a son. Which that's... that's... For someone who's a little kid, he reckons he was around 10, 12 when this happened. Okay. I don't feel a kid who's gone into a car when your friends have said your dad's going to kill you, and then there's a shotgun in the back of the car, you're being driven to a graveyard, is going <laughs> to remain so calm and collected and say that God's love and his love as a son will always be there for him, and that his dad should repent his ways and just forget about this whole situation. See, that's already, like, a red flag concerning for me. <laughs> like... That's from his autobiography, and it's free to download from his website. <laughs> and I read it purely for research, otherwise I wouldn't have wasted my time. And Harry Potter is more believable. Wow. See, I I honestly I, I'm I that little chunk of information left me kind of speechless. Yeah. And during all this time they moved to Wollongong, then moved back to South Australia too, so Did like, they say why they moved? No. But he moved and moved. Now, I can... So, he did live in Wollongong for a while. And the only reason why I know that is 100% true, or at least directly implied it's true, is because my father met him as a child. Oh. <laughs> because they oh. were around the same age. That's was... scary. So, and Dad remembers him being this fat little rotund thing that didn't want to do anything with anyone. Well. Well. But. This is where delusion comes into play. I. <laughs> look, who knows? My father could be could have been thinking of someone else. But the photos I've seen of Cam, he doesn't look like someone who would have been at any point in his life athletic. Or, like, at the top of the food chain in any sector. Yeah. There's just so much stuff from his biography about his background that I just don't know what's true and what's not. And even when they went to trial with some things later on, they couldn't confirm whether things were true or false. The only thing they knew was he was born in Cologne and and moved to Australia in 1953. That's the only thing that they could confirm is true. And people who knew him said that they did give him lists, but it wasn't always to church. So... And he also tells in his book that he used to walk to church when he couldn't get a lift 
to church. So again, that's that armor martyr for everyone kind of. Yeah, I will, I have unwavered commitment to going to church and to yeah following the Lord. Like I I myself am not religious, and I've always struggled with the idea of someone being so willing to follow something so blind like not saying that i have to physically see something but really devout people who don't question anything and just follow something because it makes them feel good yeah i can't fathom that kind of mindset i've been raised in a semi-religious household more agnostic so i can see where people come from but i don't see for myself, religion as something truly set in stone. But back to Cam and his win. So apparently he got spotted by a modelling agency uh, and was invited. Yeah, and was invited to go to the US to do some modelling shoots. So, but when he went to the US, have you heard of the Bayside Seer before? Briefly. So the Bayside Seer was like an evangelical festival, let's say, where there was someone who was a seer, so they were having Vision. premonitions and yeah. visions of things to come, and he was absolutely fascinated with it. But when he was at Bayside, he got charged with sexual assault of a young girl who was the daughter of a very prominent journalist. Oh. And she's written quite a few articles on it. He never formally got charged because inside that area was some weird cult well, rule. Not a cult rule like in the US because it was a religious uh, region. They couldn't press charge religious freedom. freedom. Yeah, they couldn't charge anything. That's so then Then he came back to Australia and he started going to seminary school. Yeah. So to study to be a priest, which he then left, because it didn't feel right. He didn't feel the Catholic Church uh-huh. was there. Then he went back to the Bayside Seers in New York again to see things, to see the Seers, because he felt they were more adequate in their religious integrity, let's say. So And then he came back to Australia again. But to get over there, he had to beg and borrow money from friends and family to fund him to go over there, which I don't understand if he went over there for a modelling contract. Why he, yeah. He should have had a bit of money set aside. And apparently he sold all his earthly belongings in Wollongong, where he was going to seminary school. And he had a roommate at the time, and she remembers him selling things and asking him, asking the roommate um, to borrow $5,000. Oh. Which in the 1970s, $5,000, that, yeah, that was a weapon. And they're just like, I don't have that money. And then he somehow found all this money. So Mm. there's some grey areas in that. There's so many grey areas. And that's what I found with the reading chunks of the information that I did. A lot was in speculation or in these grey areas and yes. just fell into these divots in his timeline. Yeah. But so he went so he then came back and started seminary school again. 
And when I was at seminary school again, apparently he saw these apparitions of God and God's voice at 18, telling him he was going to repopulate the earth and lead people as the new holy saint. The new holy saint is also known as the Pope. Oh. Hey. So then he left seminary school again. Then he doesn't provide any information about what happened between leaving seminary school and marrying his first wife, Anne Basigo, in 1983. So he marries her and they have four kids. And then during this time, he was still having these visions Uh, and apparitions. And he was told by the Virgin Mary that Anne was going to die soon in 1990. Yeah. Anne didn't die, but he did get divorced from her because he met a new woman whose name was Bettina. And she was only 17, and it was 1990. So if he was born in 1953, he would have been 47, 37 at the time. And... They never. They met in Germany and got married in Germany. Um, Why he went back to Germany, I do not know. It's not clear in his books or anything. So now he mar he married her, and they got married again. Now, then this is just Cam's history. We're not talking about the cult yet. This is just the leader of the cult. Yeah. Okay. He eventually then leaves her. And then marries another member of his cult. Jesus. No, not Jesus. <laughs> he marries another member of the cult. Wow. He hasn't mentioned anything about Jesus. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, the Order of St. Charbel is based around St. Charbel, who they bring about, they say this. This is from their direct website and their handbook. Yeah. Okay. The Order of St. Charbel aims to bring about the re-evangelization of the church, to relive the authentic traditions of Holy Mother Church, to encourage unity between Eastern and Western Catholic rites, and to embrace aspects of the traditional monastic life in a new form of consecrated life. So to those who weren't raised in a religious household or have much of a background, He's basically saying, so the Catholic Church had a reform in, I think it was the 1700s, mm-hmm. and that's when they started changing some of the rules and that after the um, Crusades, and it saw a lot of the Catholics divide, and that's where you get the Orthodox Catholics and the modern Catholics, so they call them the Eastern and Western Catholics at that time, because that's how they divided themselves across Europe, really. Yeah, yeah. So he's saying that they need to come together and combine both sets of rules and have a whole new oh, life I and all and the consecration of life when you take on the host. So when you eat the cookie and have the drink, that's a con- that's your consecration. Ah, uh-huh, so that's the your flesh communion. of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. Yeah, so that's they're saying that they have to create a new rite with that. So little pebble, he apparently founded. The Order of St. Charbel in 1972 or 73. That source varies in his handbook that he has published for the community. 
and what he says in his book differ two by two different dates. So oh. I don't know which one it is. But it was originally called the Marian Work of Atonement, and then they later changed the Order of Saint Charbel. So, according to him and different documents, there's 150,000 followers. Yeah. But when you go on the website of the Order of St. Charbel, there's apparently millions of followers and in over 160 countries. So these countries are Africa. Mm-hmm. He doesn't say where in Africa. He just says Africa. Africa is a continent to begin with. The Philippines, Ireland, Australia, Germany, the USA, Canada, and Ireland. Oh, so... Wow. But he says in multiple countries and then states... Oh, and he also says Asia. So he states two continents. They're not countries to begin with. They're continents and regions. So if you're saying that a whole con- like a whole continent, you've got followers, then you must have at least one follower in each principality, country, however you want to look at it, which there's no clear documentation on any of it. So it's very... A little bit odd. Well, like I said before, everything I was trying to read or research, I'd say if I had to give it a percentage, like at least seventy percent of it falls into grey area. Like, I'd say at least eighty-five. Yeah, there's a there's a lot. The only of vagueness. To I only found two reliable sources, as I said, and that was the book by. Claire Ashman, and A Wolf in Sheep's Clothing, which was the book written by a local journalist. Mm. Um, So he, so with the cult, sorry, the Order of St. Charbel, they're a doomsday cult as per the Book of Revelations and about the apocalypse. That's what they find themselves around. And they focus mainly on pre-Vatican II values and beliefs. So basically, like, marriages between a man and a woman, there's no divorce, or anything like that. Now, he's been divorced, yes, to begin with. I was about with. to say that. And he was born out of wedlock. He's a bastard. And he was never baptised until he went to seminary school. Just as a side note. Yeah, a little bastard. So, with his apparitions that told him to start this order, so he was told about the Great Warning. That is what he calls it, the Great Warning which is a moral and spiritual process similar to, like, that in Exodus and apocalyptic things, so natural disasters, plagues, floods, you know, the four horsemen and everything. And that um, Maitreya, who Maitreya is the Antichrist, that's how it's referred to in um, Revelations, will come and soon control of all the world as a one government, and that'll see the end to just Christianity. Oh. Now, remember how I said how he said God chose him, like how you choose a pebble to put it somewhere? Yeah. So he will start, little pebble will start a new holy era. And he will be responsible, this is where it gets creepy, Yeah. repopulate the world with his, quote, holy seed, mm-hmm. as he is little Abraham. Okay. Oh. And he will have immaculate conceptions with his queens and princesses and start a perfect spiritual race. But okay, now that you've mentioned the queens and princesses, 
<laughs> Let's talk about numbers here. Uh, I want to leave numbers for just a little bit. Okay, okay. Because I'm about immaculate con- what immaculate conception is defined to, to Cam himself. In the meantime, think to yourselves and think how many wives or princesses one man needs. And I will tell you that he also said that when this holy error comes, that he will get these preternatural graces. So he'll be resistant to all human disease. So no coronavirus for him. Oh. No syphilis. Oh. No gonorrhea. No chlamydia. No black plague. None of that. Oh. He will have stigmatic markings similar to those of Christ. Such so he'll have holes in his hand, hand, the gash in his side, the holes in his feet, and the marks where the bleeding crown was. Oh dear. But he will also return to his 30-year-old self and also become much taller and much more athletic so he can help fight the Antichrist alongside Jesus and the Pope. Well, I'm sitting here. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he's going to fight. They're going to form like the Justice League oh, of wow. Christianity is, and fight off this the Antichrist the and his demons. This is literally the worst like Justice League I've ever heard of. And they will lead the new era of humanity into a new place of faith, and prosperity for humankind, where everyone will be free from all sin, including original sin. Oh. Wow. That's a lot. <laughs> like, that's a lot to process. Now, think about, when you think about all this, apparently he was very athletic and handsome already. Why exactly. does he need to be taller and more athletic? Exactly. And go back to his 30-year-old he's, he's self. talking in a loop. He's talking in a loop. <laughs> He's going to be resistant to all human diseases. That's the thing. So, so everyone else is going to get diseases. Uh, all his, like, followers. Like, it's very... <sighs> so so how old is he sitting at now? Uh, so he was born in 1953, and it's now 2020, so... 60-something? 70? Because like, he'd be two years younger than my dad, so he'd be 68. Wow. Wow. Oh, not not far off. So he's going to revert back to his 30-year-old self. But does then he keep ageing? Or does he stay immortal at 30 to help fight off any demons and sins that come to the world? He doesn't clarify this in any documents. So we just have this Justice League of Christians and Catholics. I want to, like, low-key get a comic made... <laughs> about these. If anyone wants to draw a picture and send it to us on Instagram, we will post it on all everything. Do it. Definitely. We'd love to see this. Um, definitely, but you really need to capture his bushy eyebrows think, in these pictures. Think John Howard eyebrows that have evolved yeah. into the next level. That's very it. I'll post a picture of William Can on our Instagram and it'll be Quite interesting. Now, back to this. So he's going to lead humanity because he is the true new Pope. And he would be deemed as such by John Pope Paul II. Yeah. Now, John Pope Paul II passes. Okay. He dead. Now we have Francis. Oh, dear. So apparently, because of this... He was told because Francis Benedict yep. 
will also anoint Cam now instead as Pope Peter the Second. Mm. So he's going from William to Peter because Peter was his seminary school name. So yes. he'd be Pope Peter the Second. Now he had this in one of his prophecy viewings that he had. Okay, and I'll discuss those as well coming up. This is why everything is all over the place with this guy. It's all insane. I I have no other word for it. So in this case, what will happen is the Pope, Jesus, Cam, and the zombie Pope now oh are going to come fight off all the Christians. This but is for the Christians of the world. Literally the best Justice League. <laughs> <laughs> it's concerning. But his close friends will become the apostles. His apostles. So the twelve apostles. And they're going to form twelve new nations of humanity. So the world's going to be made up of twelve. Twelve oh, nations. Oh my goodness. Which are all repopulated by William Cam himself. So that then when they breed... That's all his bloodline. So like Abraham, how Abraham begat Isaac, and Isaac begave yeah. whoever. Yeah. That's the stent of my Catholic education that I remember. Oh, wow. <laughs> and um, everyone around the world will have a simple dress code made of plain living clothing and rosary beads, and women are going to wear headdresses. William, what are you doing? But the headdresses only need to be worn... In church. Oh my god. Cam has, and Cam's apostles are made up of his friends in the inner circle. Oh, oh, the inner circle. So let's talk about him and his atonement days. Oh, what does this <laughs> as- aspiring perfect athlete person have to atone for? Well, the atone- I'll talk about his atonement days and their doctrine, because they kind of blend together. So on the 13th of every single month, yes. everyone at his communities and all that hold a 12-hour prayer session. And in this, Cam would come out of this secret little room and provide a message that he's received from either Mary or God himself. And these messages always start with something self-gratuitous and yeah. gratification, such as, oh, little pebble, my darling little lamb, things like that, saying how good a job he's doing, and then he would give these messages. Now, Claire Ashman, who wrote the book about all her experiences, yeah. gave lots of details into this, and basically... She was from the Canberra commune. Yeah, so she left. She left. She escaped, and I'll talk about how she escaped a little bit later. See, the fact that it's escape. She uses the word escape, so I'm going to use the word yeah. escape, because that's her her thing. And there was also other members who have also left and escaped and repented from the Order of St. Charbel. So she would say that he would come out of this basement-like room where he's been with all his little queens and princesses and he would then come out with this message during usually around 3 or 4 p.m. in the afternoon. Yep. So Mary and God work on 
the clock. It's like, <laughs> they give him an appointment time. Okay. God will see you now, sir. Yeah, God will see you now. So he would then come out and tell them all what the message is. And he still receives these even when he's been away from the commune and he posts them online every single week. Still. Uh, there's messages that he gets weekly and then he gets these monthly atonement ones. So if you go onto the website of the Order of St. Charvel, you'll see that there are still messages on there. So it's quite... Yeah. So he set up his little order of... What was it? Marian Work of Atonement. That was it. And in 1984, all his little communities that he had begged, like, the Wollongong Diocese to, like, create, let them be a real religion. So the diocese is, like, the MP of the Catholic area. Does that make sense? Yes. So it's like, he's the... Like the... The diocese is kind of like the member for Gilmore or the member for Kiama. So, like, the, the leader of that region. Yeah, of the yeah. Catholic region. So that's the diocese, and in that you've got your archbishops and your bishops and all that. And so they said no, and they sent out a letter stating that the messages of Little Pebble had no theological value or supernatural significance. Oh. Now, in this time, he set up the one in Canberra and Gilgandra and Tyrak around, so in Australia. So in 1987, the Gilgandra community asked for a blessing from the Diocese of Bathurst. Okay. Again, that was not back. Here's where it gets slightly interesting. In 1987, Little Pebble, it doesn't say how this happened. I don't know if he went to America or if someone from America came here, but a Texan priest called Father Broussard came to Canberra and followed Little Pebble. So he left his position in the Catholic Church to follow Little Pebble. Oh. So he was excommunicated by the Catholic Church and stripped of everything. Now, Little Pebble asked him to use his connections to write the rules and constitutions of the Order of St. Charbel. Now, this was never ever approved by a church, anything. So one of the, so some of the rules and things that come from the Order of St. Charbel, you can find in a copy of their handbook on the website of A Wolf in Sheep's Clothing. It's still an active website and he has pages from the books and you can read them. So some of the interesting things are they brought in a tithing process. So you know what a tithing process is? No. So tithing is when you go to church and you put money into the church. You put a portion, a percentage of your pay bracket into a church. So they introduced that. So when people joined the Order of St. Charvel, they had to tithe everything. It wasn't just a portion. It was they had to tithe all their earnings from their job, all their, their mortgage. Everything that they owned was now owned by the Order of St. Charbel. It could be sold or whatever as they saw fit. He also introduced his 
clothing restrictions, so the plain linen clothing, the headdresses when they're in church, and a rosary, and then he had his nuns. So they bring in all this clothing, the tithing, he brings in some of these restrictions, and it gets very, very, very confusing at times. So here are some of the other things that happened within the Order of St. Charbel. They do the tithing, they bring in plain clothing, which includes a rosary, plain linen, has a crucifix on the front, Yep. and women are to wear headdresses in church and can wear them out of church if they deem so, and plain footwear, no makeup, not to use sanitary products. Oh, so they smell. I mean, like, women, female sanitation products. Oh, okay. So I they're not to use pads, tampons. Yeah. Oh. They can shower and clean I, No, I thought you meant, like, soap and hands. No, and they can use all stuff like that. Um, they would also be given, when you moved into the compound, they would be given what food they were allowed to do. They would grow their own things and that. Now, these communes are... Called communities. Yeah. So he has multiple of them. As I said, there's the one in Tarak, Gilgandra, our local one, Canberra. Yeah. Then there's apparently one in Canada, one in Texas, one in Maine, one in Dublin, and then he says there's some in Africa and Asia. I can confirm there is one in Africa because there was an incident at it where people were killed, and I will say. Cam disowned this and told them to go away, and they started their own chapter oh, of this. Oh. So, I'll talk about our local community because that's the one I know most details about, yes. and I've seen it firsthand. Yeah. And so, basically, you go there, and the outside is just a hurricane wire fence. Yep. It literally looks like a prison. Yeah, think Great Escape. That's what it looks like from the yeah, outside. Yeah, And there's spotlights as well if you go at night time. Yep. And their technical name is a community of guests named. I don't even know if I've said that right. But I'll put it on Instagram with a picture of it, and I'll put it on Twitter, and you can figure out how you want to say it. But now this commune, compound, whatever was originally owned by the Price family of Canberra, which was a well-known farming family, and they sold the land to William Cam and the Order of St. Charbel. Now, they made it a pilgrimage site called the Lordess of Australia, mm-hmm. and it's a holy ground. Then next to it is the caravan park. Remember the mm-hmm. caravan park that used to be there? So that, that was bought out by some Japanese people. So they had to lose that, but then they eventually bought that before. Here's something I didn't know. So they used dynamite. 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 dynamite yep. The dynamite. To create the catacombs. Yes. To live in underground at Anderson Shelters for the end of days when yes. the great warning happened. Yes, they made it with dynamite. <laughs> I didn't they know did that. that. Okay. That I was... knew that there was catacombs, but I didn't know they just got dynamite and started blowing up <laughs> underneath where they live. So it's actually been... So council has said that people aren't actually meant to be living there, the yeah. Shoalhaven Council, 
because it's not safe because it could collapse at any time. So yeah. this community could go down into the ground. Well, that was kind of the opposite to what they're wanting to do. Yeah. So, and then they have relocatable homes, caravans, and most <laughs> amountable homes. What a fancy way of saying. That's what they trail them. Park. Yeah, it's a trailer park. And that's where all the followers live. Whilst Cam had a big house built for himself that has all multiple rooms and a basement and things like that. And that's where he lived. And that's where they had their services. But he didn't live like the followers. He lived on a pedigree above them because he is the new Pope. But also, he needs all those rooms for all these princesses. Yep. And did you know they've got their own school there? Yes. It's no longer allowed to be a school. But it still runs as a school. Yep. And it's called St. Joseph's. Um, and they were so stricken for money that in 2006, they had to sell the the school toilets. Wow. Wow. And it only has, like, about 31 kids there and some ex-teacher who the Department of Education does not condone condone anything that happens at this school. And they can't force parents to send kids to school. So it's not legit. Yeah. So, let's talk about these holy wives. So, have you been thinking in the meantime how many? Say that number out loud to yourself. Now we're going to tell you how many princesses and wives. Queens. Princesses and queens he has at the time of recording. Yes. So he currently has 12 queens. Twelve queens. And seventy-two princesses. Seventy-two princesses. Seventy-two. Now, here's where it gets a bit disturbing. These twelve queens are aged from thirteen upwards. Yes. And they're still virgins because they haven't had penetrative sex. Yep. Remember our content warning. So this is where it starts to get a bit concerning and sickly. And he has the 72 princesses. Meanwhile, all these women are chosen by Cam, as per the guidance of the apparitions. He handpicks them himself. Now, he's he's mystically married to the princesses, but not to the queens. So, he doesn't marry the queens. No. And the queens didn't... The queens are only there for when the holy era comes for him to repopulate with. Yes. Because they're pure. Now, the princesses could marry other members of the community, but were only allowed to have sex with with Cam. So he had 72 princesses. Now, they could range from the age, again, of the youngest known was 11. Yeah. Up to 70. So he didn't he didn't discriminate with age, no. unfortunately. Yeah, well. And according to Claire Ashman, there yeah. were approximately twenty kids while she was there who were born to Cam and they now these kids are born not in a hospital and are never registered with births, deaths and marriages. So we don't know how many there truly are. So they yeah, exactly. There could be so many. Now his wife his wife, Bettina, that I mentioned earlier, left. Okay. She escaped. And Bettina states that teenage girls who affiliated with him 
would become pregnant, but he would say that that God made them pregnant and that it was an immaculate conception. So they're yeah. all Virgin Marys. And she had one son with him? Yep. Born in 1999. Yep. So your age. No, one year younger than me. And they don't live in the Shoalhaven anymore. She fully escaped. Yeah. I believe they're somewhere in Queensland now, mm-hmm. from what I saw. So, yes, he has these 12 princesses, sorry, 12 queens and 72 princesses. That's a lot. Yeah. Now, Claire Ashman was invited to be one of his princesses, and he said that one of her daughters was to be a queen. Uh. This was her warning. And I'll tell you all about her process of leaving. So these were some of the doctrines that they had that they presented to the Catholic Church to get ordained as a real Catholic sect. Okay? Yep. So, again, they kept trying to have all these, like, approaching all these dioceses and everything themselves. Now, in 1970... Sorry, 1997... Archbishop George Pell, we all know George Pell, he might have been good friends with Cam, considering the circumstances. But he told Cam that he needed to stop his sect. Then in 1999, the Order of St. Charbel said that they had finally been officially approved as an official church of Catholicism. Now, they presented a letter. That letter was proven to be false by the Catholic Church and deemed to be a shiism and a heterodoxical and negative effect on every member within the church. So basically saying, he's scamming them, don't be with him, and he only follows what he thinks he needs to follow. He's not following anything. Order. Now, 2002 arrives, and the the Wollongong Diocese demands and calls for the disbanding of the Order of St. Charvel. And because this happened, Cam and his followers appealed directly to Rome, to the Pope himself. Wow. So, he's still receiving all these messages, and Cam says that he spoke directly to the Pope, and the Pope gave his blessing. The Pope denied all of this, and they still, still said, no, you are not to be deemed part of our Catholic Church, because you do not follow a Catholic doctorate. So then Cam promotes Father Broussard to becoming a bishop of the Order of St. Chabel so that he could lead people when he wasn't there so that he can then, if Cam wasn't there, he could lead people in the way of the Order of St. Chabel. And Father Broussard is still there at Camberwara because that was the main community where Cam works from. And as I said, Cam still receives messages and posts everything online. And when I I read through some of them, and I would say a lot of them are very conspiracy theory based. Yeah. And he has one big conspiracy theory that keeps cropping up and everything, which is about the Freemasons and the Illuminati. Oh. And I'm going to read you something that came from his website at the start of COVID, okay? Bear with me, people, because this is very confusing. Buckle up your seatbelts and 
Make sure you're sitting down. Should I do a voice? What would so Mr. Pepper yeah. sound like? Yeah. Nasally. I'm into nasally and weasley. Yeah, something like that. Okay. The protection called for by the authorities, and also the infamous media, which controls most of the men's thinking about the cover of clusters of the outbursts of the virus. Oh. My children, you should not have followed the directions given by the authorities in all matters. Because of the closure of many places, it was not necessary. The one and a half metres to five metres placed upon man is a fallacy. Because the main reason they wish you to do that is so that they can count you. Because when people are close together, their instruments foul up. Therefore, they lose count. It is the Freemasons and the Illuminati that are forcing our children into this. And it causes havoc and displacement of millions of children around the world. The pandemic has caused the closure of millions of places in the world. Because the enemy of God's children wishes to see the murder of the elderly people and control of the masses upon earth. My children, you are asleep and do not realise what is happening. The bonzes of evil are trying to control the masses and they have succeeded in shutting down the churches where my divine son is. So that people will not be able to receive my divine son and receive confession. But, my beloved children, it will be over soon. But the enemy is preparing another virus, far worse than this one currently upon mankind. Wow. As says William Cam, Little Pebble, directly from the words of God's mouth. Wow. Spoken by the creature herself, Connie Bathory. Very Dixon of you. Yeah. So, can you see the conspiracy theory based up in that? The Freemasons and the Illuminati control the government who are counting people. I mean, low-key, I get it. But also, I don't want 72 child wives. What about the 10, 12 queens? I mean, there's 10 or 12 queens in Wollongong, and they are... Right. They are our family. Just yeah. like Cam has a family. Yeah, except... We're all queer, we're not going to interbreed. No, no <laughs> There's going to be no... Well, I suppose there'll be immaculate conceptions if someone gets pregnant. <laughs> so Pebble receives all these wonderful, wonderful messages from God. He even received a message just the other day. And... Uh, that if you go online... Buckle up, have a glass of wine, because they're interesting reads, in my opinion. But you have to read it out loud in the Nixon voice. <laughs> now, within the the church, the gospel, the inner circle, all that, he has what he calls the Army of Truth. Oh, dear. And the Army of Truth is uniting all the seers of the world under his guidance and his name. And he even had a gathering of people similar to his visions, and they proved that his visions were to be right. Oh. And they also believe that on this day when it happened, that they, all his followers, and that, at the commune, when they had the big thing, it was televised. You can see video footage of it on YouTube. Oh. I'll link it in. Link it in. But many of the parishioners who went there, and followers, believe they saw a solar miracle. That when they did, 
they saw a crucifix form in the sky. <gasps> Gasp! Yeah. Wow. Now, remember how I said he had the 12 queens and 72 princesses? Yes. They're called the House of David. Oh, uh, so as a collective. Yeah. Wow. Now, Claire Ashman escaped, rescued herself from this commune. So, this woman, she's a remarkable woman. Uh, props off to her, tops off, titties out, everything for this woman. Yeah. She's amazing. She was born into a cult somewhere in Victoria. to escape. Good a different you. cult. Yeah. She married a man in that cult. It was an arranged marriage, basically. Yeah. And he was senior to her. And then he found out about the Order of St. Charbel. So then, because she didn't know any different because she was raised in a cult, she just did what she was told. Yeah. And they already had kids, so they moved to join the Order of St. Charbel. They get there, and when all this stuff with the wives and the little kids was happening, she started to feel uncomfortable about it all yeah and so and then she started noticing things that didn't make sense like why were they all in caravans and trailers and he was living in this big house that had basement and air conditioning and everything and they weren't all getting that and they were only getting like basic foods to live off and then when he came to her as like his saying that you're one of my princesses yeah. She kind of felt a bit uneasy then. So she decided... So people who live in the communities were always told, don't leave the community. It's going to be shunned by everyone on the outside, which partially true. A lot of us... I was always told to stick away from them. Like, because they used to walk around town trying to pass your pamphlets and things like yeah. that. Do you remember that? Yes. Like, and you're always... I was always told, avoid them, don't look at them, don't talk to them. But apparently she went to a church and they were really loving and embracing of her and took her in and they knew exactly where she was from and said, no, you're always welcome. So then she kept getting there and people started giving her lifts there and that. And when she started telling them things that were happening, they kind of said to her, mm, that's not right. Problematic. So they helped her set up like a bank account, get all her Centrelink put into that bank account yeah. rather than the one that was being tithed. She's saving up money. And they were living off, off commune at that time, and they received an eviction notice to the house. And she said, "Thank God, I want to get out of here." So she said, "Tell me what I got to do." And the police were a bit said taken back, but were really helpful. They told her where to go, how to find a rental property, how to get in contact with housing commission. Yep. And she managed to do it and escaped. She got a job. So her and the kids, so, she and, became self-sufficient. And that's the thing, like you said, this woman needs praise because when you say her and her kids, her and her eight children, yep. eight children she took with her because she felt like they deserved that better life. And she did it. Yep. So good on her. Good on her. She saw something better. She doesn't live in the Shoalhaven anymore. No. I believe she's in Queensland somewhere now. But you should all go out and buy a copy of her book for this. Lessons from a Cult Survivor. Go out and buy her book. Buy the digital copy because it is, A, you're helping someone who had 
a difficult life to begin with. Two, you need to read to be aware of what happens in this place because there was so much. We can't talk about it all. I mean, we're almost here at an hour already and we're not even up to his court case. So just be aware. There's so much to read from her book and from A Wolf in Sheep's Clothing. They are amazing books. You should go out and read them if you want to know more and go in depth. So let's talk about Task Force Winifred. Task Force Winifred. So Task Force Winifred was established in 2002 after four members came forth after like Cam's sexual misconduct with the younger members in his parish, like in particular the princesses and the queen. Mm-hmm. Now, the do you remember when the commune was raided? Um, I don't specifically remember it. No. I was only just in high school when it happened, and I remember it being everywhere on TV, like. He was arrested, there were camera crews there, it showed these women and children in squalor, basically. A lot of them looked emaciated and things like that. So, they had the task force... Oops, I over my bottle of water there. <laughs> Nixon voice made me very dry. <laughs> um, so, he was found guilty in 2005. For, and got five years in jail. Now, he got... Four counts of aggravated indecent assault, one count of aggravated sexual assault, and that was against a girl who was 15. Now, in court, content warning. Content warning. Warning. Content warning. 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 So, she spoke about him grooming girls as young as 11. As young as 11. Now, this 15-year-old girl's family moved to the compound in 1991, from Katoomba in Queensland. And her family were excited, so excited to find out that she was going to be one of the queens. And the girl herself states that her mum kind of forced her into doing it. Why? And said, if you didn't do what God said, something bad would happen to them. And that was from her mother. So she was starting to be groomed from the age of 13. Now, she recalls him taking her to a motel in Fig Tree. <sighs> Sorry, this this is hard for me to actually physically say. He fondled her, kissed her, masturbated her, and penetrated her with his fingers. That way she would stay a virgin, but having sex without having sex. And that is a quote. Jeez. Remember, this girl was 13 when he said that. And she also knew that he took girls to the same motel in Fig Tree. He apparently had a room somewhere else in the community, which I believe that's probably the secret room underneath the church. Probably. He also had a flat in Coromel. Oh, wow. Where he used to take all these girls for regular sex, non-sex sessions. She also had examples of letters that he wrote to her. And I'm not going to read the full letters out, but some of the phrases that were used in the letters are sexy legs, 
we can have sex without having sex. Let's make love. And here's the one quote I am going to read. Content warning again. Warning, warning, warning. I've been thinking about it. You have such a sexy body. I believe we should wait till at least the end of next year to conceive a child. That does not mean that we can't make love. She fell pregnant to Cam at the age of 19. And Cam said, yes, this is true that we did conceive a child, but she blackmailed me wanting money. Which the girl herself said is true. She did blackmail him for wanting $21,000 from him and $100 weekly maintenance because she left the commune with the baby so that she and she would keep quiet. She got charged with blackmail, which I guess legally they had to. But given the circumstances... Um, wow. And Cam refused to give a DNA sample for a paternity test. Of course. Um, apparently there was a warrant for it, but he got out of it on the grounds of religious freedom. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so he got sentenced to jail for this one, at least. But that's the thing, too. These letters and diary that he kept for speaking with these girls was one of the biggest um one of the biggest physical evidence yeah. that put him in prison. I remember being in the newspapers, like everywhere. Yeah. Well, locally. I know it was in a couple of the national ones, but nothing big, but I remember locally, like in the Shoalhaven News. For weeks. It was everywhere. Shoalhaven News, Wind News, or you you turn it on every day. And I always like, mum and dad, like, told me what had happened, like, yeah. because of, I was, 2005, I was in year 10, but, yeah. like, most kids, I didn't really follow the news that much, but they're just saying, you're going to see a lot of this, it is all true, you know what to do if a stranger approaches you and wants to have sex, take it! <laughs> no. no, stranger danger, y'all. Silence is not consent. Silence is not consent. So um, he was prisoned, and his prisoner number, because that's very public, was 389834. Wow. So that was his prisoner number. Um, in 2007, he appealed for a second time against everything, and again, it was denied. And in that one, he screwed himself over because he was found guilty of another five counts of sexual misconduct with a minor and sentenced for an extra five years. So he screwed himself over. Wow. Because during the appeal process, because both the prosecutor and the defence yep. have to find evidence, the prosecutor found more evidence against him. Yep. Because Claire Ashman came forward about things as well. Good. She was Good one of the people that. that helped went against him. Good job. So he appealed again in 2008 to the High Court of Australia. He was again denied. Now... This is the bit that frustrates me. During that time, he was when he was in jail, he was still releasing these weekly messages to his visitors that would come. Um, he would have his visitors come and he would give them these messages from God. 
and they would say he's been falsely imprisoned and all that. You can look them all up on the website, yeah. littlepebble.org. That is, again, is littlepebble.org. They also have a Facebook page. Oh. <laughs> I found it in the course of my research. And they post the links to his messages there weekly. So, he was released on parole, because he was a model prisoner, in 2014. And is on parole to 2021, so next year. In this time, he's not allowed to have contact with any girl under the age of 17. 16. 17. Um, the official court document says 17 and under. Oh, okay. Yes. But legally, a minor is 16, so they must have made it 17 for a specific reason. Yeah, yeah. Based on court stuff. Yeah. He's not allowed into the Shoalhaven region. At, at all. all. No. And if he is, he is arrested and breaks curfew. So if anyone sees him in the Shoalhaven area, make sure you ring the police. Yeah. And he's not allowed to contact his victims. Yep. He's all his forms of communication as well are monitored, his emails, everything, letters. Mm-hmm. He has a curfew of he's has to be home between six a he's not allowed to be outside of his home, sorry, between ten PM and six AM. Now this man still releases his messages online and does videos, and he has a YouTube channel. Wow. One of the most interesting things was that he released during this time was he released a video last year towards Donald Trump, saying that oh. God approves of Donald Trump and oh. everything that he is doing, and he is doing God's work. I thought that before when we are talking about the... um. Religious Justice League, that if Trump was in that, it would literally top it off. What would Trump's Christian Justice League power be? Um, Build the wall! He builds walls and separates children from their parents. Wow. You heard it here first, folks. And he, William Cam, Little Pebble, tried to appeal again this year, in April, but COVID... God bless COVID in this case. <laughs> Delayed it. <laughs> thank, thank the Lord. Um, so, given everything that he did and got away with, he only got... Grand, ten total, uh, grand total of just ten years ten in years, jail. Ten years behind bars. Um, but... I didn't know this until looking it up, and in all honesty, it doesn't surprise me, but he is listed as the most notorious pedophile in New South Wales. After George Pell. Well, yes, yes, because that's more recent. And he's registered as a sex offender, Mm -hmm. which means squat diddly, just means he can't go near children or anything like that, or if he does, he has to declare it to everyone. I just don't understand how he keeps followers. How he has so many, such a strong following, and how he only got ten years. Yeah, like that com, like the community commune is still there. Yeah, and functioning till this day. Functioning, and if you get too close and they see that you have a camera, they rush out at you and try and stop you. Try and stop you from taking photos. Yep. 
but the loophole is people have figured out and people put a marking on the road there where it goes what to council land so you can walk up pretty close to the fence in council land so and they still got followers father broussard is still preaching for pell pell has picked another mystic wife and princesses during this time but he doesn't like he says it in his communications but he doesn't say who or how old or anything like that uh, he's not that stupid but let's look at the facts of this man he started off with the i was premature i needed a handkerchief i was sickly yes come teen years he's athletic strong super uh, intelligent obviously handsome because the modeling company wanted to take him on and fly him to new york yeah. He then sexually assaulted a journalist's teenage daughter. At a festival. Religious thingy. At the Bayside Seer. He started his commune after that. After he left seminary school. He got married. Divorced. Mystically married. Divorced. Married again to someone in the community. And now he has all these queens and princesses. 84 can combined like 12 queens who knows how many it is now but that's the thing is that's the number that we know yeah. it could be if he can hold on to 84 wives or mystical wives there's hope for everyone out there <laughs> <laughs> and here we are single yay he's part of this mystical justice league with jesus himself is a 30 year old man who's looking like jesus the pope the zombie, zombie pope, pope. And maybe Trump. And yeah, maybe Trump's the new mystery Justice League, Injustice League character. Yeah. Wow. But, and then he was jailed for just one count initially of sexual assault, but then they got him for five more. That aggravates me so much. Now he's not allowed back here. But guarantee you, if you live in the Shoalhaven and you're listening and you say Little Pebble, everyone will know instantly you're talking about. about. I'd say 90% of the people around here would know. It comforts me, though, that he is electric, uh, electrically monitored, that he can't enter the Shoalhaven without Tripping people being yeah. alerted. Um, but just um, coming up to this discussion, I coming up to this topic, I brought it up with a few people, and a handful of those people, which was the majority, said he, he, his intentions are to live in the Illawarra. Yeah, that he's so going to move. As close that's as, where he's living currently, yeah, is the Illawarra. Yeah, as as close to the Shoalhaven as he can. And as soon as he can, be. And as soon as he can, he's coming back here. Yeah. But the thing is, he in this in our area. I do remember when he got sentenced, because I was 18 at the time when the second appeal happened, I remember people saying on early days of Facebook and that, that if he comes back to the Shoalhaven, he'll be killed. Yeah. But well, he, this was an intense topic. Like, And that's the thing. The truth of the matter is a pedophile is a pedophile. Yeah. And that's not the most popular thing for anyone in society to discuss or to... And someone to do pedophilia on the basis of religion, that angers a lot more people than just being a pedophile. He will be 
very monitored by everyone. His every move will be watched. And the commune, as we said, could collapse in on itself any day. And I feel sorry for the people who have been basically brainwashed. Yes. Like, I'll post a picture of him up with some of his wives and him next to a relocatable home on our Instagram. But just beware, as we said, if you do go reading more about him, the detail, I left out a lot of explicit content because when you read the court cases and that, it goes quite in depth and it was, it did disturb me and I don't get disturbed very often. And it was very graphic. And if you need to speak to someone, please call Lifeline or Q-Life. or any of that. Um, or speak to a local counsellor. Because this was a very heavy topic. But we promise next time it will be something not as intense. We'll give you a bit of a break. Yes. And then we'll see you then. So until then, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and find us wherever great podcasts are found. Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, all of, all of them. All of them. We're on all of them. And thank you to ACAS for hosting this for us. Yes. We appreciate everything they're doing. And until then, kids, just remember one thing. Drink the Kool-Aid!